evidence and answers. What do you say to those who believe in reincarnation? If heaven is real, as Christians believe, then there isn't any need for an endless cycle of dying and coming back to earth. In fact, why would we want to return time and time again to the pain and insecurities of this life? Good point. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today's message was taught by Pat and is the first in his series regarding the afterlife. He will explore several different topics, so you won't want to miss any. If you're unable to hear this entire message, all of our broadcasts are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now here's Pat with part one of Questions on the Afterlife, Reincarnation. Almost all people throughout the world believe in an afterlife. I have rarely run into anyone in the world who believes that our conscious existence ends with our death here on earth. Most people realize we're going to spend a lot more time on the other side of eternity's door than here on earth. And this is consistent with what the Bible teaches. We were made for something greater than our brief earthly existence. So it's not surprising that the most frequently asked questions I receive are questions about the afterlife. And in this series titled Questions on the Afterlife, I'll be addressing some of the most frequently asked questions about the afterlife. Now, the first topic I will address is the topic of reincarnation. Reincarnation is not only the dominant belief in Eastern religions, but it has gained an increased popularity in the Western world. About one in four Americans believe in reincarnation. Among college-age young people, the figure is nearly one in three. Surprisingly, about one in five who attend church regularly also believe in reincarnation, in spite of the fact that the Bible and Orthodox Christian belief throughout the history of the church rejects the doctrine of reincarnation. It is not surprising that in many churches that I speak at here in the United States, good Bible-believing churches, Christians in the audience will often argue with me about the doctrine of reincarnation. Many think that this is indeed what the Scripture teaches. Now, let's first define the doctrine of reincarnation. Reincarnation means literally to come again in the flesh. Reincarnation means that after death, the human soul attaches to another body and returns to live another life, perhaps as a human or as in another life form. Now, there are many forms of reincarnation. The most common spring from the Eastern religions, such as Hinduism, therefore derived from the principles taught from the Eastern religions. Now, the first principle is the worldview of pantheism, that all is divine. Pan means all, theism is God. In pantheism, God is not a personal being. God is a it, made up of everything that exists in the universe. God is the energy that pervades throughout the universe, the one. Or in Hinduism, he's called Brahma. In other Eastern religions, he's known as the chi or the key force. Second, there's the law of karma. And the law of karma simply is what one sows in this life is reaped in the next. Every action in this life has a reaction or consequences in this life or in the life to come. 
whether you return in the next life in a higher form or in a lower form depends on the amount of good or bad karma you attain in this life. Now, the ultimate goal is deliverance from the cycle of reincarnation. The Eastern religions teach that one endures perhaps thousands, even millions of reincarnations to work off the bad karma attained during the incarnations. The goal is to attain higher forms of beings until one breaks the cycle of reincarnation. And the ultimate goal is to attain union with the divine or the one, to be absorbed into the one or absorbed into Brahma. You see this in concept in recent movies such as Star Wars and the award-winning movie Avatar. When people died, they became one with the energy of the universe. In Avatar, when Sigourney Weaver died, she became one with Awa, the all-pervading force of the universe. When people in Star Wars die, they become one with the force. They become absorbed into the one. Now, deliverance from the cycle of reincarnation can be attained through several avenues. Deliverance can be attained through enlightenment or gaining true knowledge and insight to true reality. Or deliverance can be attained through meditation. A third way is through channeling, through coming into contact with an avatar or a spiritual guide who will guide you on your journey to attaining unity or becoming one with the divine. Or a final way is deliverance through devotion to a particular God or deity who will aid you in your quest for deliverance. As you show your devotion and love to this God, they will extend good karma unto you so that you may attain a higher life form in the next reincarnation and hopefully ultimately attain deliverance from the cycle of reincarnation and attain unity with the one to be absorbed into the divine. Now, is there evidence for reincarnation? Well, Dr. Ian Stevenson, Department Head of Neurology at the University of Virginia, believes that there is compelling evidence for reincarnation. And he lists about five. Past life recall, deja vu, xenoglossy, birthmarks, and the Bible. Well, let's take a look at the first, past life recall. Past life recall happens most often under hypnotic regression. Now, reincarnation proponents cite examples of individuals giving vivid and accurate descriptions of people, places, and events the individual could not previously have known. Today, there's a small branch of psychology that practices past life therapy. And the belief is that one's present problems are the result of problems from a previous life. However, the accuracy of the facts attained from hypnosis remain highly questionable. First, some people are known to have lied under hypnosis. Second, human memory is subject to distortions of all sorts. Third, under hypnosis, a patient's awareness of fantasy and reality become blurred. Dr. Kenneth Bowers, a psychologist at the University of Waterloo, and Dr. Jan Duane at McMaster University states, quote, Although hypnosis increases recall, it also increases errors. In their study, hypnotized subjects correctly recalled twice as many items as did unhypnotized members of a control group, but also made three times as many mistakes. During hypnosis, you are creating memories. Fourth, studies have shown that under hypnosis, patients are easily 
influenced by leading questions. In the process of hypnosis, the patient is asked to release control of their consciousness and body. Hans Holzer states, Generally, women are easier to hypnotize than men, but there are exceptions even among women who may have difficulty letting go control over their bodies and personalities, something essential if genuine hypnosis is to take place. So in this state, memories can be altered by the cues from the hypnotist. So it is for these reasons, many law courts do not consider testimony under hypnosis as part of reliable evidence. Past life recall can also be attributed to the influence of the culture. Cultures heavily steeped in the doctrine of reincarnation create an environment conducive to past life recall. The countries like India, Sri Lanka, Myanmar, and Tibet have a very high number of cases. Many who make claims of past life recall win the respect of their society. In areas like these, the culture can have a strong influence on one's subconscious mind, especially young children. If reincarnation is true, then this phenomenon should be prevalent in all cultures throughout the world, not primarily in one area. Finally, the majority of past life recall incidents occur among children. Dr. Stevenson states, many of those claiming to have lived before are children. Often they are very emotional when they talk of the person they used to be, and they give minute details of the life they live. Children are the most susceptible to suggestion, and their testimony should be looked at with caution. If reincarnation is indeed true, it should happen across the border, across all spectrums of ages. So at best, the evidence from hypnotic regression of past life recall may only suggest a possibility of reincarnation, but it does not conclusively prove it. Let's look at next line of evidence, deja vu. Deja vu refers to a distinct feeling that you have been to a place or performed an event before that is presently taking place. However, researchers give alternate explanations for what's happening in deja vu. In our subconscious, we often relate a present event with a past one that the conscious mind does not remember. Since the two events are similar, we often fuse the two events together in our minds, thus creating an impression that we have experienced this before. Other researchers have shown that the data that enters the eye is sometimes delayed for a microsecond on its way to the brain. This leads one to think they have seen the data before. A third line of evidence is xenoglossy. is the sudden ability to speak a language one has never learned. Now, reincarnation advocates attribute this as the language one spoke in a previous life. However, something called cryptoamnesia can account for this phenomenon. In cryptoamnesia, an individual forgets information that was learned earlier and recalls it at a later time, not knowing its source. It is possible, then, that one can hear foreign terms through the media or as a child and recall these when prompted. For example, there was a woman who grew up in the United States of America and at, in her college years took a German class and suddenly the teacher realized this girl was fluent in elementary German. Asking the girl where she had learned this from, she could not give an answer. 
Many thought that perhaps something supernatural like reincarnation had taken place that perhaps in her previous life she had lived in Germany. When researchers eventually talked to her parents, they realized that her grandmother spoke to her in German as a young child. And eventually her grandmother passed away when she was very young. But those very early years, her grandmother spoke to her in German. And that's where she picked up the German language and was beginning to recall it now as she was taking German in college. The final evidence that reincarnationists often point to is the appearance of unique birthmarks that are similar to those possessed by a deceased individual. However, it is difficult to show any connection to reincarnation. Similarity does not prove sameness. For example, there are people that have what's called stigmata, where under times of stress, they'll bleed from their hands. Well, stigmata does not mean that the person was once Jesus Christ. So these alternative explanations can account for most of these so-called evidences for reincarnation. However, where they fall short, we must entertain the possibility of demonic possession, where a foreign spirit takes control of the person as demonstrated throughout the New Testament. You see, demonic spirits have existed for thousands of years and are not limited by time and space. The information they possess can be injected into a person's mind during possession. Eastern meditation techniques allow for this kind of possibility. Dr. Bro writes of Edgar Cayce, the father of the New Age movement. He writes this, Cayce's power came without equipment and quiet. He appeared to empty himself to hollow out his consciousness as a receptacle, a conduit. And that's common in Eastern meditation. People are taught to empty their mind and to allow another spirit to come in and take control. Even reincarnation advocates believe that many cases of past life recall can be attributed to demonic possession. William D. Artiago states, in reference to the demonic counterfeit hypothesis, we can safely say that for many past life visions, it is the most subtly verified hypothesis of all. Edgar Casey himself stated, that's what I always thought, and against this, I put the idea that the devil might be tempting me to do his work by operating through me when I was conceited enough to think God had given me special power. So although the evidence can be interpreted to support the idea of reincarnation, these evidences cannot conclusively prove it. Now, there are biblical passages reincarnation proponents point to in order to build their case for reincarnation. One of those passages is John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. And it states, As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, reincarnation advocates claim the disciples were attributing the man's blindness to bad karma from a previous existence. But if you look at the passage carefully, that's not what the disciples were attributing this man's blindness to. They asked Jesus in verse 2, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Not a previous life or a previous incarnation. You see, Jewish theology attributed birth defects to two sources. Prenatal sin committed by the baby while in the womb, or sins committed by the parents. For example, in Genesis 25 Verse 22, the struggle of Jacob and Esau in Rachel's womb was a conflict involving 
prenatal sin while the babies were still in the womb. And in the passage, Jesus refutes the idea that the man's illness was due to any sin in a prior life, thus putting an end to reincarnation and the law of karma. Jesus states, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So Jesus does not attribute the blindness of this man to any kind of previous incarnation or previous kind of life. Another passage reincarnationists often point to is Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 11, people are questioning the identity of John the Baptist. And Jesus states this of John the Baptist. He says in verse 13, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so reincarnation proponents state that in this passage, the Jews believe John to be the reincarnated Elijah. Well, there's several problems with this interpretation. In 2 Kings chapter 2, Elijah never died, but was taken miraculously to heaven. And in the doctrine of reincarnation, one must die before one can take a new form in reincarnation. Secondly, Elijah appears at the Mount of Transfiguration, but John the Baptist had lived and died by this time. And so at the Mount of Transfiguration, it should have been Moses and John the Baptist that appeared, but instead it was Elijah and Moses who had appeared. And the passage makes it clear. John came as Elijah in a symbolic sense with the power, manner, and the spirit of Elijah. This text does not build a case for reincarnation when it's properly interpreted. So the doctrine of reincarnation is not taught in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach reincarnation, but the Bible teaches resurrection. There's a distinct difference between the two. In reincarnation, one returns in another life form. In resurrection, one returns as the same person, but in a glorified state. There are several biblical passages that we can point to that teach against reincarnation. Hebrews 9.27 states, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. See, the context of Hebrews chapter 9 teaches that the priests every year had to make a sacrifice to atone for the sins of men and women. However, Christ died once and for all, paying the price of sin forever. So just as Christ died once and for all, so men and women die physically once, and then their eternal fate is determined. Scripture gives no evidence that after the judgment, sins can be atoned for in another lifetime. In Luke chapter 16, the famous story of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man lived in splendor while right outside his gate, Lazarus begged for food. Well, eventually both men died, Lazarus went to paradise and was in the presence of Abraham. There, the Bible says he was in Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died and found himself in torment in hell, while Lazarus was in heaven and in peace. The rich man in hell had no chance to return to earth and have a second chance at redemption. In fact, he even pleaded with Abraham to send Lazarus back to warn his brothers, for they were headed down the same path. Now, if reincarnation were true, the rich man would have hope for deliverance. 
for in his next life, he could atone for his transgressions. But we see no indication of this in the story. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6, the righteous are resurrected unto glory. They are resurrected in a glorified state. And it says that they will rule and reign with Christ. Satan and the beast are thrown into the lake of fire where it says they will be tormented day and night forever and ever in verse 10. Then the unsaved, they are resurrected to an eternal state. They stand before the great white throne judgment of God and they are thrown into the lake of fire and that is their eternal destiny. Verse 15 says, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire the final resting place of the unsaved. In Matthew chapter 25, at the judgment that occurs at the end of the age, Jesus judges between the sheep and the goats. The sheep belong to Christ, but the goats are those who do not know Christ. And their sentence is found at the end of the passage where Jesus states to the goats, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Here we see that the destiny of the righteous and unrighteous are determined by the decisions that they make while living on earth and that their eternal destiny is sealed once they face the judgment before Christ. There's no second chance. There's no hint of reincarnation, a chance for them to come back and atone for the bad karma they attained in the previous life. So now let me summarize the difference between reincarnation and resurrection, which is what the Bible teaches. First, reincarnation occurs many times, but resurrection of the body happens only once. In reincarnation, the soul inhabits a different body, but in resurrection, the soul reunites with the same body just in its eternal state. In reincarnation, the soul inhabits a mortal body, which will die again and go through the process of reincarnation. While in resurrection, the soul takes on an immortal, eternal body. In reincarnation, the soul returns to an imperfect state. While in resurrection, the soul inhabits an eternal and final state. In reincarnation, the new form is an intermediate state. While in resurrection, the glorified eternal body is in its ultimate and final eternal state. So reincarnation is contrary to biblical teaching. The Bible teaches resurrection and not reincarnation. The evidence is used to support reincarnation does not build a very compelling case. In contrast, we have strong evidence for the resurrection of Christ upon which we can build a hope for our resurrection and eternal life. And that is what we look forward to. Resurrection, not reincarnation. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you including articles, Pat's books, and additional audio for you to listen to or download. 
Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers.